Okay, good morning. Good morning. Seems to be no lack of things to seek the Lord about and to pray about. I was thinking about Peter when he was in prison. He said they prayed without ceasing for Peter while he was in prison. And how God moved on him in a mighty way, set him free from the prison. And he went to the house and he was knocking at the door. And still they were astonished that he was there and left him at the door while they went and talked to each other about it. Um, so we're not, we're in pretty good company when we say that we're praying without ceasing, yet we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know the particulars of it. All we know is that we're reaping some benefit from this sowing process and being a part of what God's doing. That's our hope, that our faith will be built. We don't know exactly how it will turn out. Uh, neither, neither did they. But that still makes a pretty good case for praying without ceasing. And, uh, you know, I said last time I get up here, I don't think that means just walking around, blah, 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 you know, all day long. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter too. Jesus was, Jesus was the busiest guy around a good bit of the time, teaching and preaching and walking and hiking and doing all the stuff that he was doing. Uh, it was, they didn't have any side-by-sides back then, so they resorted to an old-fashioned thing. It's called walking. Yeah. They didn't even have bicycles back then, as far as I know. Anyway, it's a chariots, yeah. Chariots were for the rich, I guess. Yeah. Say Jesus walked on water, he did this and that, but most of the time he walked like everybody else. Uh, anyway, so we don't know how everything's going to turn out, uh, but we do know that we've been called to co-labor with God. Lord God, we look to you this morning. Lord, you know that we know about all of these needs, Lord God, and we bring them before you, but mostly we bring ourselves before you. Lord, we're in need of your touch, Lord God, because unless you open the prison, Lord God, there will remain. And uh, we look to you for your hand to move upon us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's gather.
morning. go to the Mexican farm, you go south of El Paso, Texas, then you get to Chihuahua City, and, uh, and then you keep going south, but then you turn east, and then you turn north, and so you go like this, like this, like this. Brother Bill has promised to go, it's very easy to go there, you take a a plane here from Fairbanks, you go down to Dallas, Dallas to Chihuahua City, and then we'll pick you up there in two hours you're at that farm. Anyway, in a very dark night, if you step out of the of your house, you can see the city lights from Chihuahua City. And so it's very close, yet it takes a long time to get there. Why? Because there's no road from the farm to Chihuahua City, but it's very close. I estimate that if you take a plane, you'll be there in no time in a small plane. And so the Israelites, it took them 40 years, 40 years to take a route that somebody estimated it would have taken them a very short time to get there. It's not that far anyway, it's not that far. But it took them 40 years, and, and the other day, Karen was, Sister Karen was reading this scripture in chapter 8 of the... And it starts like this. The one that's talking here is Moses. Moses is the one that is... Uh, yeah, right. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And he's, um, so Moses is talking to them, give them an instructions, and he said, all the commandments which I commanded this day, shall ye observe to do, that ye may live, and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto you fathers. So they're, they're there, uh, supposed to be a short ride, but it's not. And before we make any judgments, I've been thinking that it has taken us 40 years. Maybe it could have taken us less time. I don't know about that, but. So we go around this wilderness to come to the same conclusions they came. Uh, or at least that's my understanding. He said, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee this 40 years in the wilderness. So uh, you can see that God led them those 40 years. He was with them those 40 years, and we can see that there was a cloud at, during the day, there was a, a fire during the night, so God was there with them. So it seems to me that the plan was to go around those 40 years. I've been thinking also, and I was sharing uh, one morning with, uh, with John Berge, that I'm convinced now, I'm convinced totally convinced that God was with me from before my birth, during my childhood, 
And during my rebellious years, he was there with me. So I come to conclude that while I was marching and, and uh, uh, <coughs> waving my fist to the police, to the soldiers, to the government, God was there with me. So it must be my, it could be a radical thinking that he was there marching with me. But he was there. You can read in the scripture, he was there uh, with everybody. He was there with David when David was doing what he did. He was there with Abraham. He was there with Jacob. Because he said, I'll be with you. And so it's not too radical to think that, that he was there with me. I'm convinced of that. I know he was there with me. And I know that even though I was not following him, he was there with me, test step by step by step until, until the work <coughs> finally drew me and I came out of what I was doing. The same way he's been with me all these years, in the good years, in the good moments, in the bad moments, he's always been there. And so that... Uh, Brother Bill was saying to somebody this morning that he's there, even if, well, I would not say what he said, but anyway, he's there with us all the time. He's always there with us. And so he reads there that he was there with them those 40 years. So to me, it's good news and bad news. Good news that he was there with them. Bad news that it takes us so long. Take us so long. The Lord knew that too. Somebody was saying that uh, uh, on the same line that he was quite surprised that the Lord did not fire those 12 disciples, especially Peter. I mean, I'm sure that Gabriel and and Ben and Nelson would not put up with a worker like that. <laughs> Will you? Probably not. He didn't fire Peter. But you know why? You know why? He knew what he was doing. Peter didn't know. Peter did not know. The same way we don't, don't know. He know. He knows. And so we're not fired. He's going to wait. So that scripture that we put there, I think the one that waits is him. And he's been waiting a long time. And sometimes I, I in my own shortcomings, I get impatient and I think that I'm the one that is waiting. And he's not so. He is the one that's waiting. And I keep going round and round. And so he said, uh, he was there, he said, and, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. So he was leading them. And so we can sometimes sort of complain about the way they went. We must remember they were led. They were led. Because God knew they needed that. And he said, uh, to humble thee and to prove thee 
to know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or not. So I used to read this scripture and I, it seemed to me that it, it was, the whole burden was in me, that he was proving me, that he was uh, showing me that. But I come to realize that was not the case. His mercy was trying to show me right. that I was incapable, incapable of following that, that route. Incapable of, of doing what he wants us to do. It takes 40 years to come to that conclusion. It takes a lot of, of testing, failings, cryings. I was telling her, also, John Bergia said, uh, I, sometimes I step out of that of that uh, duplex that I'm so grateful to you folks, whoever made that decision to put us there. I'm so grateful for that. As I was grateful when I was on the South End, as I was grateful when I was there with Mark and Kathy and, and Ron and Vicky. But sometimes I opened the door and there at the farm in, in Mexico, a, a little house is, is in, right here and right across the the house is a shop, an, an open-air shop where, where they do a lot of welding and things like that. And, and sometimes I open the door and I can see Abel welding there. And then I suddenly, th I think it comes back, I said, you're not there. I look around and I see the tree said, oh wow, I'm 4,000 miles away. How did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> and he says that they were led. But you know, leading doesn't necessarily mean willingly. Don't get any good idea. <laughs> I'm not. But I have said before, and I think some of you can identify with that, a lot of times you've been pushed. You've been cornered. You've been put in situations where there's nothing else to do but to cry. And to say, okay, all right. I think Peter came to that conclusion after he failed terribly. And after the Lord uh, uh, was crucified. And sometime between that time and the time when he appears to them, something happened to Peter. And I think he realized, he realized he had been pushed hard until he came to the conclusion, this is the way to go. I don't have no other way to go. Sometimes we idolize that or we uh, think there's an idea that sometimes you come to, to a revelation, you come to a conclusion and said, okay, I'm going to go this way, but it doesn't work that way. It's a desperation when you come to the conclusion there's nothing else you can do. That's the only way to go. Yeah. And so he said they were led. Led means many different things. To humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart. Now God knows what's in our hearts. But you know it takes, it takes a fall to know what's in your heart. There's no other way. Not good news. 
But how else are we going to know God's mercy? How else are going to as we go are we going to realize that He's for us? If not when we're down. If not we when we fail again and again and again. And he's still there. He's still there waiting for us. Yeah. Forty years, it says. And you know, in those 40 years, he's going to tell us what he did. And so he said, uh, And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. Um, I don't believe I've ever been hungry in that sense. In, 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 uh, uh, when I left here uh, some months, uh, weeks ago, I went to Mexico City. I have an older brother, he's 80, 88, he's your senior. And, uh, and he was talking to, to me and he said, because obviously, he lived uh, a life that I didn't. And he said we were hit hard with poverty. He said we were, we hit, we were hit very hard with poverty. <coughs> they live up in the mountains in the southern part of Mexico. I seen the few pictures that are left from that time. I see them and I see some indigenous people. I see him there wearing these uh, garments that the Indians in that area wear. And I see no, no shoes. And, uh, but to me, it's just a picture. I don't really know what they went through, but he said we were hit hard with poverty. And he said there was hunger at the house. I don't know what that means. But it says here that and suffered it to hunger. So it was his doing. It was his own doing. Something that uh, it burdens me, maybe it shouldn't because it's probably not my burden, but uh, it's our young folks and the folks that did not go through the things the first ones went through. Because how are you going to, and so you tell stories and to the young folks there are stories, that's all there is, a story. And some of them get tired of those stories. Some of the children in Mexico, they get tired of those stories. They said, I heard the story a thousand times. So those stories sometimes don't mean anything to them. It's just a story. And the reason we tell those stories is because we saw God there. That's the only reason. We saw God there with us during those times, during those difficult times. And how to, but you know what? Uh, it's not my problem, it's God's problem. How is he going to now, to the new generation, make them see what he wants them to see without going through those times? They might go through them, I don't know, but it doesn't look like that this far, but 
uh, it says he suffered them to they to hunger so they they were hungry and what were they hungry for and feed you with manna and so that we can see that he feeds us when we're hungry and uh, he said which thou knewest not neither do your fathers know that he might make thee know that men that not live by bread only but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord do men live so he was teaching them and he's teaching us that there's something else we need to there's something else that we need to eat there's something uh, it's not just by bread that we live and so I was uh, thinking that as I said last time and I keep thinking about that you know such a beautiful door has been opened up to us to live a different life while we are here, while we work, while we fellowship with each other, the door is open, wide open, to live a different life. To live not like mere men, like the scripture says, but to live as a different man. As the only man that has the answer for the problems in this world. There's only one man that has that answer. And we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to live in that man. To live that life. And once again, this is also difficult because we need to remember uh, while we work, while we have to make plans, we have to, you you, uh, in the companies have to compete with other people. And here I have a, you got to be careful what you say, but once again, it's something is in my heart. That while I'm using what is here, while I'm enjoying what is here, I need to remember that there are some brethren that for the last two weeks been out there working. I need to remember that yesterday uh, we wrote, uh, I came back from working uh, over there and Chris was coming the same boat. And he said, I'm worn out. It's been a very difficult day. I need to remember that when I'm eating. Somebody, somebody is paying for that. Sometimes we make fun of Brother Richard. So he wants to save everything. But before we take advantage of the things, we need to remember those are out there. Toiling, hard toiling, so I can enjoy a nice meal, so I can enjoy a nice car, so I can enjoy heat during the winter. But they are out there. 
two weeks at a time, some of them. And the children are here. Let us not make that sacrifice in vain. And it boils down to some of the things that Richard does. It does. Maybe, maybe because I'm about, I'm similar to that. Because they had the farm in Mexico, we didn't have anything. And you know, you know, you know what you do when you don't have anything. You say, every little screw counts. I was working in El Paso at a construction company. And at the end of the day, there are a lot of screws on the ground. Nails also. Guess what I did? Because I live in Mexico, and we cross every day to work in the States. We live in two worlds. Unless you have done that, you don't know what that is. Lived here in this world, poor world, third world country. There you cross, go to work in the richest country in the world. And so everything that was discarded, we'll pick it up, because I wasn't the only one there. Got a little buckets. Guess where did we use all those screws and all those nails? When we opened up the farm in Mexico. We took them over there, and every little nail, every little screw. And now Brother Richard has to tell me, Brother Abel, just throw it away. <laughs> Nobody's going to use that. So I don't know if I'm, I'm helping him or I'm making him worse. <laughs> but anyway, I can see where he's coming from. And when I see this brethren working out there, hour after hour, I need to remember that. Well, first, I need to thank the Lord for, for what they have done and enjoy what I, we got here. And then I got to be a good manager of those things. Is that okay to say that? And so it says we live. But every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord, do men live. I need to come to that conclusion that that's my life. I have no other life. And that life is, comes through his word. And then he says, Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. So he's telling them what he did for them. Sears came up with the idea, I believe, I'm not sure if he did, they did or not, with a life uh, warranty. And everybody liked that, life warranty. But what about these things? What about, what kind of brand is this? He said the things didn't get old. How about a coat like that? I don't think he, uh, not even a Carhartt does that. <laughs> what about the feet? So he provided for them. Those 40 years he provided for them. These 40 years that we're going around, he has provided for us. Miraculously, he has provided. Yeah. And so 
I had come to the conclusion then that the, the journey was necessary. They needed that journey, just as we do. We need this journey. I, some of you are not Moveites, so you don't remember probably the five-year-old plan. Brother Sam did say that, and we did believe that that in five years this thing was going to be finished. I don't know why beliefs. Sometimes I think Christians are so gullible. <laughs> How could we have believed such a thing that in five years we were going to? But we did. Are there any Moveites here? I see Adele there. <laughs> we really believe that. Four years have gone by. We needed that. I know that. And so he said, Thou shalt also consider in thy heart that as man chastened his son, so the Lord thy God chastened thee. So in Hebrews it says that a, a good father disciplines his son. So it's been good to us. The discipline has been very good. Actually, is discipline that has brought us this far. Yeah. Is his lonely way of reproving us. And so then he tells them he's going to bring them. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. So we need to remember that he's going to bring us into a good land. He's doing that anyway, when we can see it. Uh, and he tells them what, uh, what all that is going to be there. He said, uh, ninth, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose, whose hills thou mayest dig brass, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he had given thee. Uh, anyway, been a good journey. And uh, we don't know what God is going to do next. We don't know what whether things are happening or happening. We don't know what's happening with Sister Kathy. As all of us have come to conclude, we don't know. We don't know what's going. But one thing I do know is I have no doubts that God is able to do something. But he not, he not always does it. And I believe that is also for our good. The Lord bless you. Thank you for, for everything. And uh, I'm not having any ideas. Thank you very much. Uh, the, um, the clarity of us waking up and I have griped at times regarding the 
the long, the elongation of God's dealing. And <laughs> I think one day I woke up and I was so thankful that, uh, uh, what was the song we sang about, uh, Come Quickly? Well, um, when, you, when you see the true condition of your nature, um, you're not so much in a hurry and you're very thankful that God gives you time. And it's a wonderful delay. And you know, every, I'm, I keep going back to this and I, I'm not apologizing, but I want you to know that it's not because I'm old and heading for, you know, cloudy days, though, who knows. But uh, the reality, the reality is that every father with every child should be aware that they're all so different. There is not a program or a book to go to, but you have the writing in your heart and mind if you're walking with God. And some, it takes years. Some are close to you, hold fast, respond, and are doing everything they can to get it. And others have to wander and fly to faraway places and dream dreams that are really nightmares. But God is good to us. That he, I mean, I, I'm sitting here and one of these times, uh, uh, I'll have the guts to just get up and tell you how stupid I've really been and how God has been good through my insipid, empty-headed human intentions and still been good. He knew it. And I'm with you on that one. I looked at one of the first times I looked at that, I said, that's ridiculous. God knows what's in our heart. The problem is we don't. And when we find out, and please, I've said this before, you have to reckon that every person you see, every person, if they live any length of time, they swim in the swill, in the filth, in the excrement of the natural man and sometimes they think it's just a normal human circumstance but when you come into Christ and you are walking as a son you begin to detest like uh, <laughs> I, I can't get over the fact that in the middle of one of our conversations uh, our brother said, I hate my life. And if you can't come to a place where you hate that natural man, you're, you're still not in the program. And, uh, but with, by the same token, you must make the shift of dependency because you're not gonna go anywhere. You just spin your wheels in the snow. And I think of how many times I've been in the, in the snow up here spinning my wheels and you know there are times when i looked i got out and looked where i was and i got back in my car 
And I actually thought if I accelerated a little bit and went back and forth, I'd get out of there. And it was so obvious to anybody that knows anything about science or, you know, <laughs> road situations. And so please understand, the most brilliant, capable, gifted individuals in the world, historically, and sometime I'll tell you about it, historically have done the most stupid things. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little hint here. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the natural Germans, somehow the most brilliant nation, and if you've ever worked uh, at Rikas and seen the German people come in, and, and you know, every race has something, you know, please. I'm not, I am a racist, no question. Uh, I'd study the races. But um, the arrogance of the natural man and the stupidity of thinking that somehow you can have a life that's more beneficial because you choose than God does. Until we get that, we're just gonna we're just going around having services. And dear God help us to, to, to just wake up. He knew that we need to know about our heart condition. No, it's not good. It's not good. It's not finished. And I'll say this, don't want to keep you. The uh, <laughs> there's so much more wonder in front of us. Let me tack this on. If you don't have hope, and I talk to people, different ones, I'm doing more by phone and FaceTime than I ever did traveling. In, I mean, as far as the resonance of reality. Because the, there's, there's no question at all that uh, God's waiting for us because he wants to be gracious. And he glorifies himself by the likes of you. And so, I'll say it again. There's a father, and we heard, I, I love the, the heart, Abel, of he was there, he was there, he was there. Because if, if I, uh, I, God help me somebody lunge from my neck if I say I'm going to write a book. But when I was thinking about writing the one thing from the rear view, I know for sure. I know for sure he's there. But that doesn't help me. Because I can be stalled in the funding and the wonder of, oh, he's so great, he's so wonder, and what he will do. Well, he's, as a father, he's not happy with that. He's not content with with the raising of us as his children. There's so much in front of us. There's so much that we have yet to see, and God help us to understand that. Amen. Bow your heads. We are ashamed at times, great God,
and you, you won't allow us to stay there. We're guilt-ridden and you won't allow us to even live in that. You've, you've redeemed us. You've wiped away everything that would cloud our progress. And as your children today and your sons and daughters, we, we ask you to give. Give us a greater trust and a greater hope. Because without our hope, we're, we're done. We, we're saved by it. And Lord, infuse hope today in spite of where people are with Kathy particularly and with us that we will be prayer warriors and we won't just be talkers. Uh, forgive us uh, this day, Lord. Help us to offer. We thank you for Abel and uh, we would be so kind if you would uh, uh, keep him from anything of wanderlust because he came here to grow and stay in the cold uh, and he's going to love it. Uh, as I need to, in Jesus' name. We are, we are going to be dismissed early, but I just want to say, it's like, we're, it, this is a gold mine, and I, you, I'm so glad you brought out about the guys that are out there gone for two weeks. There, there are many of you that go extra, and here and there, and I thank you. One short story. John Dufendock lost his wedding ring out doing things for Bryce Wrigley, and uh, he was on the combine anyway. He was had to clean out the dirt in his machine, and uh, he looked down, and his wedding ring was gone. And Carol is sitting right here. She was very disappointed. He came home. He looked, first of all, he looked through all his dirt pile, the latest dirt pile, to find, the, find it. He couldn't. He came home so disappointed because it was a very special ring that he had made out of gold nuggets, which I see all of you as gold nuggets right now in the spirit. And I'm telling this because we heard from a gold nugget this morning who's come through so much. I wish we all could have seen him as a rebel in contrast to who he is today. But the rest of the story is this. The Wrigley's went out into the field where he had put a huge pile of dirt. It was 6.30 when he came home to Carol. 8.30 they called, and they had sifted through this whole earth dirt pile and found at the last shovel, you said, was his ring. And he had it on. Anyway, the reason I tell that story is I, the, the, the thing about gold, I just couldn't, I saw, I saw you all as gold nuggets. And today there was a story of, well, the last story before of a gold nugget. A dear old lady, and she's old, 10 years younger than I am, but was, went through a drive-in at, uh, McDonald's and got a sandwich and underneath her sandwich was the daily deposit, $575.
and the lady had a, a husband at home that had a stroke. She had $2 million in debt and made very little, very poor, talking about poor. She took the money back and showed it. Everybody was amazed. The owner gave her a free lunch and another one. But everybody was amazed at that kind of honesty. And I was thinking, I'm not amazed. I see that kind of honesty daily, and I thank you all. It means a lot, because you're all those gold nuggets. <laughs>